Welcome everyone to this episode of Christian Historical Fiction Talk. I'm your host, author Liz Polsma. I'm so glad that you decided to join us for this episode. I said a couple of episodes ago that it is award season and that is continuing very, very soon. The Christie Awards will be announced and those are really the most prestigious awards in all of Christian fiction. And again, as I was searching through the list of those who have been nominated for the Christie Awards, I realized how many wonderful historical fiction books are on that list. So we are going to dive in today and explore some of the books that are up for Christie Awards. Some of them we have talked about already on the podcast a little bit, so we'll go quickly over those, but there are several on the list that we have not touched on yet. Now, they have been out for a while because they will have had to have been published in 2019 in order to qualify for the 2020 awards. So you may have picked some of these up, but if you haven't, there are some good recommendations and I have read most of these books, so we can talk about these. Let's go ahead and get started. Now, there's one book that has been nominated in two different categories. So she has two chances to win a Christie Award, and that is Amanda Dykes and her novel, Whose Waves These Are. She's nominated for first novel and for general fiction. So she did amazingly well on her debut novel. It has been a huge hit. She has had a second one since release that has gotten some really good buzz as well. I have not had a chance to read it yet, but it is on my list and hopefully we can talk about her new one in a little bit. But in the meantime, it's Whose Waves These Are that has been nominated for a Christie Award. And I did read this one. It's a split fiction book. Part of it takes place immediately after World War II when a grieving fisherman submits a poem to a local newspaper. It's a rallying cry for rocks. He says, send me a rock for the person you lost and I will build something life-giving. And this poem sort of takes off and Robert Bliss's humble words changed the tide of a nation. Boxes and boxes of rocks flow into this tiny coastal main town, and he sets to work on building this monument, but then work stops when tragedy strikes him. Decades later, his niece, Annie, is summoned back to this town to help her great uncle who is in failing health and needs some help. And she discovers these boxes and boxes of rocks. And she is very curious about this. And she's an anthropologist, so she's determined to uncover the secrets of these boxes. And she joins forces with the handsome and mysterious harbor postman. And the story takes off from there. Her uncle Robert is failing fast, and she has to battle against time in order to solve this mystery. Amanda has a very different and unique style of writing. It's very lyrical. It's beautiful. A lot of people 
really, really loved this book. And you can imagine it must be good because it was nominated in two different categories. It's another split fiction. It's general fiction. The romance thread is fairly low-key in this one. It's really about solving this mystery of what happened. Why did Robert Bliss stop building this monument? What tragedy was it that halted progress on this? And Annie's search for discovery to find out what that is. So that is Whose Waves These Are by Amanda Dykes. In the historical category, we have a unique situation this year in that all three of the books nominated in the historical category are World War II books. That's how hot World War II is in the industry right now. And I have had the privilege of reading all three of these books. Oh, before I keep going, though, I did want to mention, if you are an Amazon Prime member, Amanda Dyke's book, Whose Waves These Are, is included with your Prime membership, so you can read it for free. So that's very good to know. So the first one we're going to talk about that is in the historical category is The Medallion by Kathy Golke. This book was an amazing book. I absolutely loved it. So this one takes place in Poland, and I love that that it's a different setting. And when the Germans invaded in 1939, the streets of Warsaw are turned into a war zone, and everyone's lives are shattered. It doesn't matter whether you're Polish, Jewish, or something else. Your life is never going to be the same. And that's the case for Sophie Kumiega. She's a British bride who's working in the city's library, awaiting news of her husband, Janek, who was recently deployed with the Polish Air Force. So some of the Polish military managed to escape Poland after the Germans invaded, and they went to England, and they enlisted in the Air Force there. They worked alongside the RAF as part of the Polish Air Force, and we're fighting the Germans, and that's the way that they fought. So Sophie, his wife, remains in Poland, and Janek is in England fighting with the Polish Air Force. Sophie is pregnant, and she's determined to keep her baby safe. But the days ahead find her being drawn into the plight of those around her, and she can't help but help them, no matter what the danger is. And she meets up with Rosa and Itzhak Dunovich, who have a new baby in the Jewish ghetto. And they're not about to let anything tear their family apart. But the handwriting is on the wall. Conditions inside the Warsaw ghetto are deteriorating. And Rosa soon faces a terrifying reality. In order to save her daughter's life, she has to send her daughter into hiding. And her only hope of finding this child after the war is a medallion that she cuts in half and places around her daughter's neck. It's an amazing, wonderful book. It ends up after the war in England again. That's all I'm going to say about the ending. It's quite a shocking ending, a different ending. It is a happy ending in many ways. But the book is beautiful. It's just so well written. And 
As always, Kathy does an amazing job with bringing Poland during World War II to life and to really making you feel these characters and wanting to cheer for them. So that's The Medallion by Kathy Golke. So the next one in the historical category, and as I mentioned, it's another World War II one, and this is Memories of Glass by Melanie Dobson. I also had the pleasure of reading this one. And for those of you who have come over here from my World War II podcast, which I'm not podcasting on currently, we talked about this one on that podcast. But I'll go through it quickly here because it's a wonderful book. And if you haven't picked this one up, you're going to want to. This is another split fiction. The historical part takes place in Holland in 1942. The Nazis had rounded up Jewish families and they were awaiting deportation in a converted theater in Amsterdam. And this is based on historical events. So this really did happen. Well, the children are there along with their parents and Josie and Elise have to find a way in order to save Elise's son. Elise works in the theater Even though she's Jewish, even though her family has been brought there, she and her son have been brought there, she actually works there. And she is typing up lists of names of those who are going to be going on the transports. And she starts a dangerous game of erasing names from these lists, names of children. And they get across the street to the nursery where Josie, her friend Josie, works. And together, they try to save as many Jewish children as they possibly can. And then 75 years later, Ava Drake begins to suspect that her great-grandfather was not the war hero that he claimed to be. She's the head of her family's prestigious foundation, and she goes to Uganda as part of her job. And there she meets Landon West, and they discover a connection between their families. As Landon's great-grandmother shares the broken pieces of her story, Ava has to confront the greatest loss in her own life. And she has to also confront the powerful members of her family who will do anything they can to keep their secrets hidden. So this is a wonderful book, just so well-written. I, of course, as Dutch myself, loved the part that took place in the Netherlands and I just love how Melanie wove everything together and how the whole story came together like those memories of glass being put back together the puzzle came together and the pieces all fit in the end so I think it was just a wonderful book and if you have not read Memories of Glass by Melanie Dobson that is another one you should definitely check out and then the last one in the historical category is the third World War II book that's set for a Christie Award, and that is My Dearest Dietrich by Amanda Barrett. That was also Amanda's debut novel, and she did an amazing job with this one. She takes the real story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a well-known pastor and resistor in Germany during the war, And she weaves in the story of his real-life fiancée, Maria von Wedemeyer. She's a spirited young woman who discovers that love isn't always logical. It's not very smart to fall in love with a man who is under surveillance, who does all these dangerous things that Dietrich does, and yet 
she can't help herself. She falls in love with him. Dietrich has said to himself that he's not going to get involved with anyone because of his dangerous activity. There's too much work to be done for God, and his work is too important for him to get distracted by a woman. But then he meets Maria, and he's unprepared for how easy it is to give away his heart. But with their love comes great risk, and neither Dietrich nor Maria is prepared for just how great that risk becomes. So a fabulous book, an amazing debut novel for Amanda Barrett. We had talked about her second book, The White Rose Resist, before, but this is her first book from last year, My Dearest Dietrich, and it's up for a Christie Award in the historical category. So you can see three powerful and amazing books just in the historical category, all World War II, which I think personally is just fabulous. Even if you're not the hugest World War II fan, I would really encourage you to take a look at these books because they are so very well done. They will just grip you and they will hang on to you all the way until the end. So those are the nominees in the historical category. Now we move on to the historical romance category and we have Another World War II book in there, and that is The Land Beneath Us by Sarah Sundin. Again, we talked about this on my World War II podcast, so I won't spend a whole lot of time here, but this is another amazing book. And it's going to be another difficult choice for the judges in this category because The Land Beneath Us just blew me out of the water. It is the third book in Sarah Sundin's Sunrise at Normandy series. And it really is a standalone. You could read it by yourself, but it'll make a whole lot more sense if you read the other two books in that series. And those books are The Sea Before Us. That's the first one. And the second one is The Sky Above Us. So then the third one is The Land Beneath Us. And it was just an amazing book. I have read everything Sarah Sundin has ever written. Well, maybe not ever written, but I've read everything she's written. And she's fabulous to begin with. And this one is her best ever in my estimation. It's 1943 and Private Clay Paxton is training with the U.S. Army Rangers at Camp Forest in Tennessee. And he's preparing for the Allied invasion of France. Now, his future has been stolen by his brother's betrayal. And so Clay feels that he doesn't have anything to live for, except maybe giving his life for his country. So he's pretty much convinced that D-Day will be the day on which he dies. While working as a librarian at Camp Forest, Leah Jones meets Clay Paxton. She's longing to rise above her orphanage upbringing and she really wants to belong to the community. But in her spare time, she's researching and looking for her lost family, for her biological family, in particular the baby sisters that she was separated from so long ago. Now, Leah is brutally attacked by another man and Clay saves her life. And he also saves her virtue with a marriage of convenience. And when he ships out to train in England for D-Day, it's their letters that keep them going over the long distance. 
But what's going to happen if Clay's dream of dying on D-Day actually comes true? This one was just spellbinding. I loved the character of Leah. I absolutely adored her. My heart just broke for her and bled for her. She had been through so much and she was still enduring so much. All she wanted to do was belong. And my heart also bled for Clay and everything that he had been through. But I have to tell you, there's a very satisfying resolution toward the end of the book. And it ties all three of the books together. And that's why I say it's best to read all three books of this series in order, in order to really get what the heart of the book is and to truly enjoy the ending of this book because it's the ending of the whole series. It really wraps up all three stories at the end of this one. So I think maybe that's why I found it especially satisfying. I can't say enough good things about The Land Beneath Us. It's going to be one that you're going to want to check out that whole entire series. So that's one of the ones that is nominated in the historical romance category. Another one, and we'll finally move away from World War II and go to World War I now. So the next book that is nominated in the historical romance category is The Number of Love by Rosanna M. White. And this is the first book in her Codebreakers series. I'm going to have to admit that I have not yet read this book. This one also looks like it is included with your Prime membership on Amazon. So if you have Prime, this is another one that you can read for free. And I'm definitely going to take advantage of that and download it and read it. I have read the third one. We talked to Rosanna last week about that book, A Portrait of Loyalty. And this is the first book in the Codebreaker series. So it's now three years into World War I, or as it was known at the time, the Great War. And England's greatest asset is their intelligence network. Margot DeWilde thrives in the secretive Room 40, which is where their intelligence was based. And she spends her days deciphering intercepted messages. But she has an unexpected loss that turns her world upside down. And for the first time in her life, numbers aren't enough. Drake Elton returns wounded from the field, followed by an enemy who just won't give up. He's smitten by Margot, but how can he convince a girl who lives entirely in her mind that sometimes the best things in life can be found in the heart? Now, if you remember Rosanna's interview from last week, and if you haven't listened to that podcast, I encourage you to go back and listen to that fabulous interview that we had, that little chat we had with Rosanna White. She explains in there a little bit about this character, Margot DeWild, and how she was created and what she's like. So that's worth the listen. I found book three was a standalone and I could read it by itself. And I'm assuming books one and two are also the same. And I loved book three. I loved A Portrait of Loyalty. And I can see from Rosanna's writing just what a talented author she is. And I'm definitely looking forward to reading The Number of Love. And congratulations, Rosanna. I don't think we congratulated you for that when you were on for 
your author chat with us, but congratulations on your Christie nomination for The Number of Love. And the last one nominated in the historical romance category is The Painted Castle by Christy Cambron. Many of you are probably familiar with Christy and with her books. If you aren't, you should be. We do have an author chat coming up with Christy probably after the first of the year when it's closer to the release of her new book. This one is part of her Lost Castle series. This one is The Painted Castle. You will see Christy's love for art coming through in this book as it comes through in most of her books. And also her passion for World War II because she slips some World War II into this one as well. It's actually a split fiction that's set in three different time periods. So she really challenges herself by splitting this up into three different time categories. The first one is Victorian England, and Elizabeth Mead is engaged to Viscount Huxley, who's the owner of Parnham Hill. But her real motive, Elizabeth's real motive for being at Parnham Hall, doesn't have anything to do with art or with marriage. She's there to avenge her father's murder, even if it means that she must be betrothed to the very man who she believes committed the crime. Then a century later, Amelia Woods is a World War II widow, and she returns to Parnham Hill and turns its beloved library into a boarding school for refugee children. And she receives military orders to house a troop of American pilots in this grand house. She's determined to keep the children away from these pilots and untouched by the war. But it's really, really difficult when the pilots kind of take over every square inch of it. And then there's the current day, the present time. Art historian Kira Foley is hired to authenticate a painting. And she hopes this is going to be the thing that's going to get her career and her life back on track. But she arrives at Parnham Hall and starts working alongside a rumored art thief named Emery Scott. This leaves her with more questions than she has answers. Could this lost painting of Queen Victoria be a duplicate or is it an original? And if it's an original, who's the artist? And so she weaves these three time periods together, which is very difficult to do. I can't tell you how hard that is. It's hard enough weaving two time periods together, but then having to take three time periods and mesh them together and have this all fit is just amazing. It just blows my mind how she is able to do this. And she does it so very well. In just typical Christy Cambron style, she makes it look effortless. I have not yet read this particular book, I am so ashamed to say, but I have read others in the Lost Castle series, and if this is half as good as the other ones were, and I'm sure it is, that's why it's nominated for a Christie, then it's going to be one you're going to want to make sure that you read. So that is The Painted Castle by Christie Cambron. If you are interested in finding out who wins the Christie Awards, you can be part of the webcast. The winners will be announced via webcast on November 12th at 7 p.m. Central Time. You can go to christieawards.com to find out more information. 
Tamara Alexander and Stephen James are going to be inducted into the Christie Hall of Fame. That's the highest honor you can get from the Christie Awards. So they are very deserving authors, both of them. So check out ChristieAwards.com if you want more information about that. That brings us to the end of this episode of Christian Historical Fiction Talk. Thank you again for joining me. Be sure to check out all of the show notes. They're going to be on the podcast website, which is christianhistoricalfiction.buzzsprout.com. I will have links to all of these books there so that you can check them out, especially those that are free for Prime members on Amazon. And so you can find out more about each of these books there. I'd also love it if you would stop by my website, which is liztolsma.com. If you love these World War II books that we just were talking about, I have a new World War II book out myself, The Refrain Within, which is set in Hungary during the Second World War. And I'm really excited to share Eva and Patrick's story with you, how they fight for their lives and their freedom, and how they have to flee hungry for their lives so check that out i will have a link for that also in the show notes for the podcast and you can also find out more about it at liztolsma.com and i invite you back next time because for our next podcast we have a very special guest coming on and that is michelle shockley she has a new book out called Under the Tulip Tree. It is fantastic. Oh my goodness, I can't say enough good things about it. I believe we've already talked about it on the podcast, so I won't say any more, but we're going to find out a little bit more about what inspired Michelle to write this book and how she went about writing it. We'll talk to Michelle and get to know her a little bit. So be sure to tune in next time when we talk to Michelle Shockley. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you then. Mm -hmm.